Bosses Rebuilding. Ian Pollard is the Managing Director of Delta Insurance with us now. Hiya, Ian. Hi there, Heather. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I want to talk to you about pandemic insurance. Are you guys offering it? No, it's um, it's actually not something that, that we're offering at the moment. It's not actually something that is that prevalent in the insurance sector. Um, many, um, I guess there's a, quite a bit of um, dispute out there around whether it's covered under certain sort of prop- property insurance coverages, but property insurance coverages were never really intended to cover pandemics. And um, there's an argument to say that, you know, if you kind of look at property insurance in the commercial insurance space prior to sort of February of this year, um, many people wouldn't have been willing to pay extra premium for a sort of pandemic-specific coverage. Mm. It's only really now that sort of pandemic um, insurance and sort of business interruption type insurance has really kind of um, risen its head. And it's certainly an area that we're actually, as as an insurance entity, given our kind of background in the sort of innovative world of insurance that we're actually looking into doing something both here in New Zealand um, and also in Asia in the future. Do you imagine that pandemic insurance will will be something that will be offered and, and will be something people want to take out? Yeah, well, I think I think it's I think it's one of those things that actually as a, as a risk exposure is being explored, not just with regards to, I guess, pandemic related business interruption. But we've seen, a, I guess, a rise in a number of different business interruption type exposures over the last few years. Um, so, for example, cyber insurance is a, is a largely business interruption sort of focused insurance offering. Um, We've started looking at other sort of areas, so tech, non-cyber tech related business interruption type insurance covers and also some other intangible insurance coverages such as reputation risk. So this is, I guess, guess a bit of a trend towards the sort of um, non-property or intangible business interruption risk exposures that more businesses are actually going to be faced with in the future. Is this something that you guys are looking into in, in almost a bid to try and set yourselves apart from the big boys? Yeah, most definitely. And that, that's, kind of, that's kind of been, a, I guess, a bit of, bit of our mantra from the get-go. So certainly product innovation is an area that we're very, very passionate about. We've been first to market in many interesting and unique sort of, um, I guess, commercial risk areas such as um, environmental risk, intellectual property risk, manufacturing risk, technology risk, and also commercial drone risk. I guess the other sort of thing that we focus on that really sets us apart from our competitors is that we actually don't just look at risk transfer, which is your traditional insurance. We also look at risk management services. So we actually look at at certain things such as cybersecurity resilience is part and parcel of our insurance offering. We partner with really cool um, Kiwi companies such as RedShield and Infisec, and also things like business continuity planning tools, which um, through through a partnership that we've got with Resilience Tech, is is something that we've we've bolted on and and it's actually been a really good um test case during the pandemic so helping businesses out through their business continuity planning the other one as well is a sort of training and compliance tool so a lot of risk that businesses face is actually around sort of training and compliance we've partnered with a kiwi company called decreed there we're only really just scratching the surface on that sort of risk management side of things rather than being the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff we're actually trying to be sort of a bit more proactive about helping insurers improve their risk posture before they actually have a claim. Mm. Uh, what, is, what is reputation insurance? What, what would, why would I take that out? So that, that covers, um, it's, it's still, uh, still a relatively new area of insurance. It actually covers, um, at the moment, there are um, reputational um, insurance coverages out there that cover sort of crisis costs, um, PR costs, media costs, et cetera, et cetera. But they're starting to develop into, I guess, 
um, where there's a reputational exposure or a reputational event triggers an insurance policy, and this is something we're kind of looking into at the moment, researching, um, where you have a reputational event, it could be um, it could be anything. It could be a um, could be getting cancelled. It could be a scandal. It could be a scandal. It could be you know a director scandal. It could be um, a physical a physical asset problem. Now that that trigger event will lead to perhaps a a drop in revenue, yeah. um, which is kind of akin to a business interruption or increased costs. Um, where the the premise of that sort of reputational cover kicking in is where there's a, that reputational dip or a loss in revenue, and the insurance will kick in and cover that kind That's of loss of revenue. Ian, would you that, would you then. would you only offer it to the business, or would you offer it to the individual for loss of income as well? So, uh, so certainly, well, at Delta, we're we're only focused on commercial customers. We're only focused in the specialty commercial insurance space. So, so for now, that's that's where our focus is. But, but I have, we have, I guess, um, there is precedent for sort of focusing on, on on personal risk from some of the sort of innovative products that we're working on. We've actually moved from um, the the commercial cyber space to looking at personal household cyber insurance and some of the risk management tools around that. So. It's not unprecedented to move from some of these really niche, um, intangible, um, new risk areas into sort of more of the sort of personal, personal space. And do you imagine that if, if somebody was to just hypothetically offer it to individuals for loss of income, it could be triggered by, triggered by something like the cancel culture, perhaps cancelling them? Yeah, so the, the cancellation of events and things like that or... No, the cancellation of their reputation. You know, on, on the social media, if you do something that the cancel culture don't like, they cancel. Yeah, you. Well, that, I guess. Yeah, I guess that could be that could be a very good and, and, and perceived sort of exposure <laughs> that, that people could could actually look at that oh, sort of social media exposure. And it's it's certainly a, you know certainly we're seeing that in, in cyber um, and exposure in the sort of cyber world as well. Ian, what is a yogi? Say that again. What is a yogi? A yogi. Yeah. Am I pronouncing oh, it wrong? In, it, in what context? Yogi. Is it someone who does yoga? Oh, yes, it is indeed. Yes, it is. Yes. But is it just your average person who does yoga or is it somebody who's very experienced? I, well, I think it's, I think, it's, I think a lot of, a lot of people do yoga now. It's actually, there's actually been quite an explosion in, in yoga over the last few years. I think also during the, um, also during the pandemic, people are doing yoga from their homes online. And, and, and so you're quite, energy. you're quite into it. Did you pick it up during the pandemic or beforehand? No, I, I I picked up yoga um, oh, would have been three or four years ago. I started having quite a few problems with my back and neck as a result of playing very high level of football for a num- number of years. And um, I wish I'd picked it up years ago. It's um, it's really it's fantastic for obviously for the body and also also the mind. And it's something um, I've actually now actually now do it in the, in the privacy of my ho- own home and, and um, it, it's something I really enjoy and uh, it, it's something I supplement my other sort of activities. I do a lot of cycling, um, I do a lot of running still, I do a lot of gym work and um, really enjoy yoga. It's a real good escape from sort of day-to-day grind. Yeah, and do you get the impression, I mean, it seems to me that, that obviously there's been a lot of conversation about the fact that this kind of thing, a physical outlet like that, something to kind of de-stress, has become increasingly important to, to especially people like yourself in high-pressure roles, to be able to handle what's just happened. Yeah, absolutely, 100% agree with that, and that's actually something that I've I've always done, I've always had um, a physical outlet, so I guess prior to moving to um, New Zealand um, back sort of 10 years or so ago and also prior to planning Delta, um, I worked for a multinational insurance company around the world in places such as London, Hong Kong, Singapore, New York, 
one of the first things I used to do, even before I got a flat in any of those cities, it was a bit of a corporate gypsy, sort of um, going where my, where my employer sent me. Um, I used to find a football team, so I felt it was an important outlet, both socially and also physically. Yeah. So that's always been a, a key part of what I've done. And obviously, as I've sort of got, got a bit older and, and, and less fit uh, or, or sort of struggling to keep up with sort of 20-year-old, decided to sort of steer away from um, from football and then I got into cycling and I think it's a critical part of one's well-being but that's not the only part and that's something I've learned over the last few years it's also the mental part but also um, watching one's health and, and also watching one's sleep so that's something I've kind of really got into in the, yeah. in the last couple of years and it's a critical part of one's um, overall sort of well-being not just mental health 